Good morning. We're glad you're here at Rivermont today and invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at verses 14 to 23 today as we pick up our series on the Gospel of Luke that I promise we're going to be finished when we get to Advent. You've been with me for a long time and we're working our way through and we will start Advent with the Ascension this year. But as we turn to Luke chapter 22, we come to the passage that is both a last and a first. It's the Last Supper and also the First Communion. And they're together in this one meal. And in actuality, it was also the last Passover. Now, that doesn't mean that Jews stopped celebrating the Passover. Many of them continue on to today. But this was the last Passover that anticipated the coming of what the Passover was all about. That is the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. This was the last Passover for that purpose because the lamb was at the table. He not only was on the table, but he was reclined with his people, the lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, to take away our sins. The last Passover was the first communion. St. Augustine had said that a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace. And when we come to this sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we benefit. We benefit by the Holy Spirit's work in the depths of our hearts. So what do we benefit from in this sacrament today as we come to the Lord Jesus? Luke 22, beginning in verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would open our eyes to wonderful things here. We pray also that by the power of your Spirit, we would fellowship with you in your word and also in the sacrament of the table this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, different families have different rules about the dinner table. Some of our friends in Arizona had a rule of no singing at the table. Now, that was important to that family because their kids loved music and they loved to sing and they took the opportunity to turn the table into a place of performance and see whose song was better than the others and they forgot what was most important about coming together at the table. In our family, we have a rule of no toys at the table. And that's not because we are anti-toy, but rather because we don't want anything to get in the way of what's most important. And that's each other. When we come to the table, we're reminded of how important we are to one another. The table is a vehicle for intimacy within the family. And this passage is about what happens around Jesus' table. The setting was the Passover. 
It was the time when Jews celebrated God's rescue of them from their slavery in Egypt. You can read about the Passover in Exodus chapter 12 when Moses had been God's man to charge Pharaoh to let God's people go. You know the story. He refused and God sent a series of plagues to Egypt. Ratcheting up with each one of ten plagues and the last one was the most severe seeking to force Pharaoh's hand to let the people go. If you've read the story, you know that with each one, Pharaoh's heart was hardened all the more. And then the Lord sent the last plague, the death of the firstborn son, as an act of judgment over sin. It was an instance of intrusion of holy justice of God into into a particular time in a particular place, the judgment over sin, and it was going to fall on everyone. The firstborn would be taken from every family and there was no escape except for trusting in the promise of God. God had said that if they sacrificed a lamb and put the blood over the doorposts of their homes, then the angel would pass over them. The lamb would take the place of the firstborn in those families. The lamb would take the judgment due for the family. But can you imagine what it would have been like for parents that night if i would have been there i think i would have really struggled i would have wondered god are we certain that you're going to keep your promise are you sure that this is going to work are you certain that the blood of this lamb is going to take the judgment for my family are you sure that this blood of this lamb will be sufficient to give me back my own child i would have struggled sometimes the way we struggle And we come to believe the promises of the Lord even today. Well, you know how the story goes. The angel of death did pass over these homes with the blood on the doorpost, and it was sufficient. The lamb took the place of the firstborn for that family. In the Passover, God's people recalled that not only did God save us as a people, but He saved me, and He saved my family through the blood of the sacrifice of this lamb. That was the meal that Jesus celebrated with His apostles that night. It was the Passover. Because the Lamb of God, the Son of God, was to be slain the following day. And it was in that last Passover that Jesus invited them and invites us into a new table of fellowship. The fellowship of the Lamb and a first Lord's Supper. What exactly does He invite us into in this sacrament? Well, first... The Lord invites us into a fellowship of his love. Look at verse 15. It says that Jesus earnestly desired to have this Passover with you. He desired to be with his disciples, his apostles. Now, this is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. First, families had been celebrating the Passover for about 1,450 years by this point. And they usually went a certain way. The father of the family would would call them all together and they would sit around a table as a family to remember what God did for them in the past and how God is gracious to them in the present and what He will do for them in the future to save them on the last day. The fathers would call them together. But here, Jesus gathered His apostles. Isn't that interesting? These apostles all had families. They had all been celebrating this meal with their families up to this point. And here Jesus, calling together a new family, gathered his his children, gathered his family around him in this table to celebrate together. And he says that he earnestly desired to celebrate with them. More woodenly, we could translate it, he desired a great desire. 
to be with them. Jesus treasured being together with His apostles. He delighted in their companionship. He longed for fellowship with His new family. He wanted to be with them, just like He longs to have fellowship with you, His new family. Do you realize that Jesus desires with great desire to be with you today? That the Lord treasures your company. He invites you into His new meal of fellowship as we gather around. He is eager to be with you today. And yet some of us come to the Lord's Supper not feeling very much like He desires us. In fact, we sometimes feel like we don't deserve to be here at this table. We don't deserve to be invited into being a part of God's family. And if you feel like that this morning, you're in good company. Listen as I read verses 20 and 21 together. We don't often do that, but listen of the flow. And likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, but treachery is in our midst. My blood is poured out, and yet the betrayer's hands are at the table. Judas sat right there with him as he invited them into this fellowship. Also, Peter sat there. The same Peter who by the next day would, would deny Jesus three times. The same Peter who said, I'll never leave you, Lord. But by the next day, he denied Jesus to a little servant girl whom he had no reason to fear. And every one of those men around the table the next day abandoned him in fear, in grief, in shame, and in sin. Every single one seated around that table were treacherous, betrayers of his love for his new family. Every single one of them. Just like every one of us here today. And yet this table is a loving fellowship of a new family. And yet we come around the table as Sinners, betrayers, and the fearful. And that's the only kind of people that there are. People whose stories are filled with with sin and shame. And you may be here today thinking that your life is, is a tragic mess. And God wants nothing to do with you. But I hope you realize that by faith, in His eyes, you're beautiful. You are desired with a great desire by your Lord. If you feel cast aside this morning, it's not Jesus' doing. He graciously invites the broken, the shamed, the, the, the heart sick. He invites us to come and fellowship with Him at His table. He invites you and me to examine the sin in our lives and repent, turning away from it, and believe in His grace and His love that invites us to be joined together as a new family. The Lord invites us in this sacrament to participate together in a new family. Secondly, He invites us into union in His death. This fellowship meal invites us into a fellowship of His death. If you've read very much theology, you will know that theologians have said that the Lord's Supper is a sign. It points to something. It it points to a specific act of God to rescue His people and to save His people. Jesus said as much in verse 19 and 20. He broke the bread and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In verse 20, The cup poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is language of given for you is language of a substitute. It's the language that was used when a soldier would give his life in exchange for another. 
Jesus isn't simply saying, I'm giving myself for your benefit. But rather, he's saying, I'm giving myself in your place. He's saying, my blood is poured out. My life is emptied out instead of your blood being poured out. Instead of your life being emptied out. That's what they celebrated in the Passover. That the lamb was given in the place of the people. Just like Jesus says, I am dying in your place. My life is a substitute for yours, he says. Your judgment has fallen upon me because I am the firstborn. I am the firstborn and I take upon myself the judgment that you deserve so that you members of my family can now live. I die that you might live. That's what the Passover, that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. We're united to the Lord Jesus in His death. And by His death, our guilt and our shame has been nailed to the tree so that we are wiped clean. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Puritans insisted that the communion table, communion furniture be a table like we have here this morning. You can see through the bottom of it, it has legs. They insisted that it be a table and not a wooden block like an altar is a wooden block. Now, why would they be so insistent on the type of furniture that we celebrate communion? Well, because they knew that altars are for a sacrifice, and this sacrifice is finished. This sacrifice is over and done. Jesus, the one who was slain, has been raised to life. And now we've been invited into a table of fellowship. Our sin is washed away. Our guilt is taken away. His death has given us life. And now we're invited into the fellowship of the one who is spiritually present. That His Holy Spirit nurtures our life. You see, by faith... We are united to Him. We are connected to Him. We are alive in Him, the One who was slain in our place. In Jesus, our sins were nailed to that tree. And every time the bread is broken and the cup is poured, the Holy Spirit points our hearts once more to what Jesus has done for us. That is, our death in His death. And therefore, our life in his life. If you've come this morning wanting to feel alive, then this is precisely the place to come. If you've come this morning wondering, is Jesus' sacrifice enough for me? Can his blood really cover over what I've done? Can it really be? Can he be a substitute for all the awful things I've done in my life? That's how you've come to worship this morning, then this table is precisely the place for you. And yet the irony is that you feel the most alive when you remember that you have been crucified with Christ. You feel the most alive when you know that you, in in union with Jesus, have died the death that you deserved. Jesus stood in your place. And when we come to the table, we remember in the deep parts of our souls and the deep parts of our hearts that in Jesus our condemnation has been laid aside. So much of life is spent trying to deal with that sense of guilt or or shame that we have. So much of our performance in this life is trying to impress other people, trying to impress our friends or our family or, or co-workers. We don't want them to discover the truth about us. We don't want them to know the things that if they only did, they might turn aside from us. And so we try to 
We try to impress them. We try to fool them with being good. But friends, Jesus does know all of that guilt. Jesus does know all of that shame. And it has all been dealt with upon the cross. You are free. You are forgiven from it. Because Jesus went to the cross in your place. And if we truly grasp that, if we truly know that in Jesus' blood our guilt is wiped clean, you might find that it saves you on some therapy visits. Trying to deal with your guilt. Trying to deal with your shame. You are forgiven because Jesus stood in your place. There is a true union in the death of Christ. Finally, we learn this morning that we are invited into a continued life of His presence. The supper is not only about His death upon the cross, but it's also about His presence with us right now because the meal is not just a sign to point to something, but it's a seal. And a seal is, is like God's own signet ring that they would use to, to, to stamp on a document, to guarantee, to validate, to emphasize that this is trustworthy work done in the name of the one whose seal you find. And in the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit assures us of fellowship. He lays hold of our hearts and places God's seal, His stamp upon us to prove to us once more the real and life-giving love of the Lord Jesus. We have true fellowship with the one who is slain for us. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. It's more than just a cognitive exercise. It's not that we take the body and the blood simply so that we don't forget with our minds, but rather it's, it's, it's like a memorial. It's a memorial of the promise that God saves sinners by the blood of the Son. It guarantees to anyone who participates in it, anyone who looks upon it, anyone who needs assurance. It stands as a memorial that God promises to save us and His own blood is the seal of that promise. It's a living remembrance pressed into our hearts, stamped upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit in this sacrament. I need that. Perhaps you do too, because it is so easy for me to forget that I belong to the one who bought me with his own blood and the one who is now alive within us by his spirit. That's what the remembrance is all about. It's about the Holy Spirit's work in our souls deeper than in our minds. It's it's nourishing our souls in the same way that physical food nurtures our bodies. That's what communion does. It nourishes it. It feeds it. It strengthens our faith. It strengthens our souls. Robert Bruce, the 16th century Scottish theologian, said, We don't get a better Jesus in the Lord's Supper as compared to the Word, but we may get Jesus better. You understand what he's saying? In other words, he's saying that In the Lord's Supper, the Lord appeals to us beyond just with our ears in the Word, but He appeals to our other senses in the Supper so that we are bombarded with an assurance of His love and His grace toward us. We see and we taste and we touch and we feel and we smell His powerful presence here. We smell and taste and and touch His love and His grace. That's what the Supper is all about. It's more than just hearing with our ears, but we taste with our tongues. You see, His blood to wash you clean 
is just as true and real and spiritually present as the fruit of the vine upon your tongue that the Lord Jesus Himself offers to you. His body broken for you. Washing away your sin is just as real and and true and spiritually present as this bread upon your lips that Jesus Himself offers to you. He bombards our senses with the reality of His love and His grace. And by that bombardment of our senses, the Holy Spirit will enable us in the deep parts of our souls to be assured of His very present love and His very present grace. You might need that this morning. You may feel as though the world is falling apart. You may feel as though your life is falling apart and you need somewhere deep within an assurance that the Lord Jesus is with you and that He loves you. I invite you to come to His dinner table. His intimate family table. This table doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Rivermont. It doesn't even belong to Presbyterians. This table belongs to Jesus because he's the host. He set the table with his own body and his own blood. And he invites you to experience intimate fellowship with him today. He longs for you to come. He invites you into intimacy. He invites you to remember the fellowship of his death. And invites you to remember that he is present right now. While we wait in faith, we celebrate here what we will experience on the last day when He comes again and we will see Him face to face at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And until that day, come, all you who are weary, all you who are heavily laden, and the Lord will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, we ask that by Your Spirit You would do just that today. That you would come and by the power of your, your spirit that the Lord Jesus would be here with us. That the Lord Jesus would nurture our souls. That we would know in the deepest parts of our hearts that you are alive. And that your sacrifice was sufficient for all of our guilt. May we know in the deep parts of our hearts that you delight in us. You don't merely tolerate us but you delight, you desire with great desire to be with us today. So assure us of those promises we ask. In the powerful name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.